everybody. It's good to be with you online. Not much, not much has really changed uh, in preaching this message with you today. A lot of you are normally on your devices anyway, so now you're on your device yet again. And uh, nobody laughs at my jokes, and I don't hear any laughter here, so that's great. Uh, nothing much has changed for me. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, it's good to be with you. Hey, if you have a moment uh, today, even right now, if you'd like, uh, you can open up. I'll give you permission to open up another page, okay, or, or a uh, Facebook message or however you communicate. And I'd love for you to spend a moment today in prayer and encouragement to uh, one of the many people who are working behind the scenes uh, that, that is really helping to help, <laughs> helping to help, are uh, helping us to continue, um, you know, offering these services through streaming and getting all of the, the technology hooked up. So anybody from the tech team, people like uh, Kayla, Elaine, I have Tang and Steven here, um, Grace, Amy, Amy and uh, Josie and V's mom, uh, you might want to send her a message and just say thank you so much for, for, you know, serving in this way. They have been in demand like crazy, like 24-7. Uh, Jason Lay, lots of, there's so many, there's so many people uh, who are, you know, now behind the scenes just running stuff and, and like they're suddenly like swamped with work because it's like, how do I hook up my internet? They've been helping uh, some of our seniors in the VM as well to navigate this whole crazy business and transition everything so that we can continue to offer God's word and praise. Give it up for the praise team as well. Send them a message. Uh, yeah, send them a message and just say, hey, Penguin, your hair looks great today, <laughs> whatever you want to say. Um, that's what my personal one is. Okay, uh, just tell them that you love them. Uh, they've, been, they've been working their tails off and... And so, uh, yeah, just wanted to share that. Uh, as you know, we're kind of breaking from our series, obviously, because, uh, well, there's a global, you know, pandemic. So we're going to go ahead and break from our current series and just offer some, uh, some insight into what the scripture has to say. Because while, uh, you know, coronavirus might be very new uh, to this planet, uh, the things that it's bringing about inside of us, our emotions and uh, our fears, our anxieties, uh, the different motivations that people have, that none of that is new, and all of that is also found in Scripture, and, and God has a lot to say about that. Uh, so today I have a PowerPoint for you, uh, because as much as you would, I'm sure, enjoy staring at my beautiful face for 30 minutes, uh, <laughs> nobody laughs, see, exactly, even the people in this room, uh, I'm sure you're laughing uh, as you're watching this in your bed or toilet or wherever you are. Okay, Unshakable Kingdom, this is what we're going to be going through today in Hebrews uh, chapter 12. I'm going to pray and then I'll give you a lot of context because the thing with Hebrews is almost every other verse is an Old Testament reference, so we got, guess what? The guy preaching this message is one of those guys that loves to go down rabbit holes, okay? I, I, don't worry, I tried to make it relevant <laughs> to you, okay? Uh, but we do need to give a little bit of uh, back, background exposition and context in order for things to really be emboldened and make sense. So uh, it may be a little bit long of a message, I'm not sure, but um, you know, you could take your phone into every room if you'd like. So let's pray and then we'll get into this in the book of Hebrews. Sovereign Lord, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you that we could still hear your word spoken uh, through many different channels, that there are many different um, communities streaming their services. God, I pray that um, we will be able to, to take in this message and to be able to share it with others and the peace that it may bring in our hearts. Lord, I pray that we will meditate uh, upon your word and, and spend the extra time in prayer 
for one another and for our own souls as we allow you to examine us during this time of quarantine. God, will you protect our community? Will you help us to motivate one another? And will you motivate us as we uh, continue to serve you, as we continue to worship you from the quiet of our homes? May we be close to you during this time. And though we are not physically together, Lord, we are still together in spirit. Though you are not physically with us now, we know that one day we will be with you physically and that you are still with us in spirit, speaking to the areas of our soul that no other physical being could. So will you speak through your word today? In Jesus' holy name, amen. Open up, if you have, open up a page or open up your Bibles physically, whatever you have, to uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to be looking uh, at verses 14 all the way to the end at verse 29. Little background, go to the next slide for me. A little bit of the background of the book of Hebrews is a context slide, okay? I'm trying to make it as simple as possible for you. Book of Hebrews is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus and, and, and specifically proving it was a sermon, uh, we believe, that was written to Hebrew people. Okay, we don't know who the author is. We don't know exactly when it was written. It's just one of those head scratchers. But we do know that this uh, person had spent time with the apostles and that all of these are biblical truths. Okay, they, again, they expound upon the Old Testament a lot to prove that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise. Uh, specifically, as you track through, you will notice uh, that, that he is God's word. He was the very word of God, that he is the king. He is the exact imprint of God, is what the words uh, say, that he is God. Uh, that he is the hope for new creation. That Jesus is the hope for new creation. In the resurrection, that Jesus came, he died, but then rose again, giving us a hope of a new world. Of a new, a whole new reality that mankind had never considered before. Of the things that were in the Old Testament, all of those promises were now becoming real through this thing called the kingdom of God that is making manifest in the world through people's hearts. Jesus is the priest eternal. He is the eternal priest that is constantly making atonement for sin. That he is up at the right hand of God. Not only did he resurrect after he came to this earth, died for our sins, he resurrected. He is still alive. And finally, that he is the perfect sacrifice constantly making atonement for your sin. In other words, constantly covering over shame and guilt. This is the part of the kingdom that is exciting, that there is no longer any condemnation from God, and there shouldn't be condemnation within his community and kingdom people. This uh, This is an awesome revelation to us. And so again and again, he makes all of these different Allusions to the Old Testament and illustrations showing, hey, you remember the priesthood from the Old Testament, so you got to read a little bit of the Old Testament to get that and really get the full impact and bite of that. Jesus is the ultimate of all of these things. And I feel like beyond, uh, before moving on, I'd like to just make it clear to you uh, that Jesus is still alive, that he is still on the throne, that he sits at the right hand of God and governs and judges this earth. And he knows exactly what is going on. And you may need to hear that today. That's not one of the points, main points that I'm sharing, but it is a truth and a reality that Jesus is still on the throne. And everything that you read about Jesus is still true. He is alive. He does have a plan. And this is not unbeknownst to him. 
And maybe that's just something that you need to share with others in your household, your grandparents or parents. Maybe that's just something that you need to pass along. But I just felt very strongly about that this morning as I was looking over my notes again, um, that they may, that may need to be said to somebody today. Just before we go into chapter 12, there's chapter 11. I could do math. Chapter 11, uh, <laughs> isn't that bankruptcy? Hopefully that's not you, but chapter 11 uh, is, is sort of the hall of faith is what we call it as Christians, uh, and that is where the, the author of Hebrews takes us through an examination of different biblical characters who had that allegiance towards God and said, you know what, I, I trust in you beyond my circumstances, and, and it's just by faith Abraham was able to do this, and by faith Rahab was able to do that, and by faith Moses did all of these things, and they name all of these different uh, characters from the Old Testament and goes beyond and says there are, there are so many more who, who experienced trials and sicknesses and death and war, but they stood firm in their faith with God no matter what. And then we arrive finally at chapter 12. The beginning of chapter 12 in the book of Hebrews has a lot to do with laying aside sin and, and pursuing after God no matter what. We know that uh, whenever this was written that there was some form of persecution going on from being a Christian, that they were rattled at the time. We don't know exactly what the persecution looked like because we don't know exactly when it was written. Obviously, it was in the first century. We don't know if this was from other people or if this was from some sort of worldwide thing, but we know that there were people that were walking away. When they had the choice to actually follow after what God had said and trust and cash in on those promises, they chose to turn their back and pursue whatever the rest of the world was doing, kind of becoming a lemming in a way. So in the beginning of Hebrews chapter 12, he says, lay aside sin, pursue Jesus, resist sin, and, and he, he mentions uh, this idea of discipline, that God is using some of these trials and tribulations that we go through to sort of discipline us. And I know we think of discipline as like punishment, like, oh God, God must be punishing us. But think of it this way, discipline, if you are a self-disciplined person, it means you know exactly what to do, where to be, who to be, etc. So it's sharpening up who you are. And that is sort of, so that's the tracing, that's my introduction, that is the tracing through the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, chapter 12, and we come to today's passage. So I invite you to open up uh, to chapter 14, uh, chapter uh, 12, verse 14. And uh, next slide, yeah, I've, I've highlighted a few things just to kind of make note of, okay? Uh, the thing in black there that you'll see on your screen, hopefully you have a color screen. Don't know who doesn't that now, but make every effort, that is an imperative, okay? That means that that is a command from this author. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Okay, the word holy means to be set apart. In other words, quarantine your life. Thank you for that half laugh. I don't know who said, or maybe it was a yawn. See to it, verse 15, that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See to it that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. If you remember back in the Old Testament, in Genesis, there's Jacob and Esau, two brothers. One of them, uh, Esau being the older, had a birthright and an inheritance to his father's kingdom, if you will, okay, to his whole, uh, to everything that he owned. And he basically sold it for a bowl of Cheerios to his younger brother. In other words, the author's saying, hey, take this Christian life very seriously. 
when you approach God, take it very seriously. Because you serve a holy, holy and loving God, and he wants you to be the same way. That is the whole kingdom reality that you are inheriting. Don't just brush it off for a bowl of Cheerios, like Esau did. In other words, Esau just wanted to fulfill whatever was hunger that he had at the moment. He just wanted, well, I don't know, this seems good at the moment, this seems good at the time. And he could have cared less about the bigger reality that he was to adopt. Afterward, verse 17, as you know, he, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. Verse 18. Next, next, next slide. Should be the next slide. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word would be spoken to them. Okay. Because they could not bear, uh, next slide, because they could not bear what was commanded, even if an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. What the heck are we talking about? We suddenly went from like, okay, hold on to holiness, hold on, chase after God, avoid sin. I got that. Okay, so what's the big deal now? Why, why are we talking about some mountain? This is actually a reference uh, to Exodus chapter 19 and 20. So I'll give a little bit of context on this. Next slide. Okay, if you think COVID-19 is scary... Exodus 19 is scarier, okay? <laughs> if you think COVID-19 is scary, wait till you read Exodus 19. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to paint the picture for you, okay? In Exodus 19, uh, all of the tribes of Israel were brought before Mount Sinai, okay? It was this mountain. That is what the author was referring to when they say, you haven't come to this mountain that can be touched. It, was, it is a physical place, okay? They actually went there, and God gathered all of his people, and suddenly you read about God descending in all of his glory on this mountain, this Mount Sinai, and it's just, there's this fire, and we read these exact descriptions in Exodus 19 where there's fire and gloom, and there's all like this whirlwind and this storm happening, and then suddenly they're hearing like the sound of a horn, right, one of those like goat horns, like, and it's like getting louder and louder and louder, and, and, and people are, are shaken, literally, and the mountain begins to shake, and then there's this voice that just comes booming, right? This is where we get those, uh, all of those movies and caricatures of, of God, like in the whole, like, Moses, this is the Lord, right? It's like this big authoritative voice. There was this voice that was speaking in this, 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 this loud volume that no one could even, like, they were terrified, and it was saying, stay away, don't come to this mountain, Okay, this is a holy, holy place. You so much, if an animal so much as to set foot there, it will die. Do you have the, the picture? Can you show me the picture? This is not an actual photograph, obviously, of uh, 4,000 years ago. But, in fact, I, that might be a volcano. I'm not sure. But, anyway, I found something of a bunch of tents and something. So, you get a little bit visual idea of what it was like for these people to to come before the living God and their terror. And then suddenly he calls up Moses. He's like, Moses, you alone could come up. Can you imagine? It's like when you get called to the front of the class when you're in trouble. It's like, ah, oh, shoot, you know. <laughs> like you're like dreading it, right? People were terrified. Next slide. 
you notice, these are the seven things that the author of Hebrews calls out specifically. A mountain that you have not come to, a mountain that could be touched, that is burning with fire, darkness, gloom, storm, trumpet blast, and a, and a voice speaking words. Do you know what all of this means? Do you know what all of this means? This is a mountain that represents God's holiness and your judgment, okay? Because you cannot of yourself just approach a holy, loving God with an unholy, dirty, unloving heart. You tremble with fear before this loving, perfect God. And uh, there are seven things, I'm, I'm convinced that there are seven things that he calls out because seven is the number of, of completion in the Bible. We see that in like the Sabbath is perfect rest and Jesus is the seventh seven. And, right? It's seven is this, is this idea of completion. And so when we come before God without any sort of mediator, just of ourselves as we are, if we were to face God, we would be shook. We would be in terror. But, Okay, so he says, you have not come to this mountain, this physical one that is before you, that is shaking, that is on fire, that is dark, that is saying all these things that you just can't handle because it's unadulterated truth. You have not come to this mountain. What does he say? He makes this contrast in verse 22. Check it out. Next slide. But you have come, but you have come to Mount Zion. Hold on a minute. Okay, Mount Zion is this sort of idea throughout the whole Old Testament. Mount Zion is not an actual place, though it does, most Jews would say, well, we, we are kind of referring to Jerusalem. Uh, that is an actual mountain, okay, uh, where they set up the temple. And they believe that that's where God's presence dwells, that is where all worship is centered, that is where atonement is made. But it's also thought of as this idea of Mount Zion, a new Jerusalem. As you go on, it says, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. To the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all. To the spirits of the righteous made perfect. To Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. And to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Okay? So if we were to look at the next slide, we see that there are actually seven things that are also described of where you have come to, Christian. You've come all this way. Jesus is your priest. He's your mediator. He's all of this. And he is reminding the people, hey, why are you shrugging off uh, um, holiness? Why are you not coming before this God? You don't have to come with a spirit of fear before the living God. Yes, in the past, they certainly did. And they had every reason to. They did not have a mediator, but you have come to God's new kingdom. In Christ, you are able to approach this perfect God, a heavenly Jerusalem. This is a whole different plane of thought. In fact, go to the next slide. Actually, go two more slides. Well, actually, stay there. I lied. I forgot that I put this in last minute. <laughs> You'll notice again and again three times. He says, you have come to, you have come to, you have come to in verse 22 and 23. You have come to an eternal plane, basically. You have come to the heavenly Jerusalem. This is a new thing that God is starting. You've come to this eternal party, basically, of joy. You, Christian, are inheriting an eternal God who is righteous above all and his people who he makes righteous. These are the promises of Scripture. 
Next slide. Okay, there are two holy hills. Okay, one is Mount Sinai without a mediator, trembling, fear. The other one is Mount Zion, the one with a mediator, Jesus. You are not under condemnation. You have no, you have no reason to tremble, yet what is true of the first one, that God is holy, is still true. Okay. Next slide. I don't know why I put this in. Oh, okay, I took the other one out. Why are we saying all this? How does this relate now to a sick world that is riddled with fear? Next slide. Because you, Christian, are called into a different kingdom than this world. It does not mean that we are unaware of what is physically happening around us. It does not mean that uh, we can't get sick and that uh, we shouldn't obey the authorities around us. And it doesn't mean any of that. But what it does mean is that unlike the person without any mediator, without any knowledge of God, you actually have the privilege and the right to approach this holy God and seek after his kingdom first. There are two things happening for the Christian. Yes, we respond to what is going on around us. Okay, emergency medical aid, social distancing, we do all those things. But we also allow God to work in our lives during this time. We allow him to speak. Why do you fear? Next slide. Why do you fear? If this is true, if you truly are inheriting this kingdom where it's like, wow, this sounds great. I get to be with God. He's loving. I get to be with all of his people um, you know, online right now. You know, I, I'm inheriting all this. And why are you so afraid? Remember the context of what Hebrews 12 is about. Okay, next slide. The context is this, that you're called to endure in holiness through tough times. You're called to endure in holiness, in holiness during tough times. In other words, during this time when you are at home or whether, uh, you know, you're just calming family members down or whatever it is, your sole aim is to continue to seek after God first. And for many people, they're not doing well with this. They're freaked out because you're so used to doing things all the time, going out, meeting people, doing things, whether it's uh, formulating Bible studies or, or, you know, putting together small group activities or going on hikes or whatever it is. And all of that has been halted. And now you are at home. And now it is quiet and you're not sure what to do. But can I share this? That it's during this time of quietness that God can speak even louder. That the volume of the world has been sort of muted inside of your home. We still have a lot of obviously loud things. There's media going off telling us about all these different things going off. Oh my gosh, you know, there's this many people now sick. This many people have died. This many ventilators that we have, et cetera, et cetera. We should keep an eye on that. Yes, that is Mount Sinai. That is what is going on. God is shaking things up. I'll get a little bit more into detail about that in a moment. But for you, Christian, you've, count, you've come before Mount Zion. You now have the ability to hear what God is saying that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Next slide. Okay, you fear when you fail to trust God. Why am I so afraid? I don't know what's gonna happen because during this time, God allows things like this to happen to everybody. But for you as a Christian, this is a time of self-reflection. This is a time to consider how you react when everything falls apart, when the whole earth is shaken, 
how do you respond in your soul? Are you at peace or are you antsy? You don't understand, and Evan, I am, I'm an extrovert. I need to go, can I tell you, I'm an extrovert. I'm an extrovert. If you ask my wife, like, am I, is, is Evan kind of passive and just like kind of just chills? She'd be like, <laughs> no. <laughs> he has a list that is like impossible of tasks to get done. And I make them for myself. Yes, I love to be around people. I'm, I'm like, this is the most I've awake that I've been in like weeks. Okay, I'm like, oh, look, there's like eight other people here. You know, like I'm awake, I'm alive, right? I get it, I understand. But can I tell you that there is a richness in sitting in the silence before your God? And can I tell you that you're never alone? If you're actually, if you actually believe that you're with God during this time, you're never alone. So throw out these whole boxes for a moment of I'm an introvert, I'm an extrovert. That's great. But consider, do I really have peace? When things restart again and the world goes back to normal, whatever that looks like, I would be very sad if everything was the exact same and nobody in our community changed through this time. I almost view some of this time that we have in quarantine as a gift. That you allow God to speak to you now. Can we go to the next slide? You've come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Abel was slain by Cain, Genesis 4. And the text says that the blood of Abel cries out to God. This was a blood that was, that was like in need of vengeance, in need of liberation, in need of redemption. But Jesus' blood means that we have all of that. But it's interesting that it says it speaks of, it speaks a better word. So here's my first question for you. And what is Jesus saying to you in your time? For me, personally, as, I, as I've been reflecting on how I interact with other people, Okay. Not, not just online right now, but just over the last few months and years, God has been speaking to me and, and in the last week and saying, hey, do you notice this area of pride in your heart that you have? There's no vaccination for that, Evan. There's no vaccination for your pride. There is no cure for that. You require a blood transfusion. Let me speak to you in this. And I could come before my God unafraid because he's not going to burn me and singe me and destroy me. I know that I'm covered by the love of Jesus. And now I could come before him and enter into this community of people that are being transformed. For some people, you may think uh, <laughs> social distancing means relational distancing, and that's not true. I've seen some people at the market, and I'm like, hey, how's it going? They're like, I'm like, hey, it's still me, man. You can smile. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but maybe God is bringing about in some of us that, hey, you've been actually, your heart has been relationally distant from these certain people. You've been shutting them out. And now through the quiet, God has been bringing this about. Do you notice this relational dynamic that you have? Do you notice that you're short with them even online when you just type? Do you notice that you speak ill of them? Do you notice that your thoughts are keeping you up at night about these situations or these people? 
What is Jesus saying to you? Allow him, not in condemnation. He will not condemn you, but allow him to speak to your very heart. He spilled his blood so that you can come before him without dying, without being crushed, but that you can stand as part of his kingdom. Ask yourself during this time, what do I really put my trust in? What do I really fear? Is it losing my 401k? You know, our stock markets have like, gone, our retirements are going, do you really fear that? Do you really fear that you're going to run out of toilet paper? Do you really fear? What do you fear more? Your God? Or losing your retirement? Or getting sick or losing your family? Rest assured that you will not lose this relationship that you have with Jesus. That your salvation is assured and that that relationship, that connection, your inheritance and your adoption into a heavenly kingdom is assured. But now you are tasked with this, actually listening to what God has to say. Look at the very next verse. Verse 25, see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. Make the time. You have it. It's a gift. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth. Remember, it was shaking. They were shutting their ears and they were saying, no, 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 no. This is too loud. I cannot stand this. I can't hear this truth. This is too much. If they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? Next verse. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This is from Haggai 2.6. I got rid of like five slides. From that, you're welcome. The words once more, and I love that there's a commentary built into this sermon. <laughs> now I'm commenting on the commentary in the sermon. Some inception stuff. The words once more indicate that the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. In other words, yes, the world is shaking. And God knows that and is allowing that to happen. Because the whole earth should be under the judgment of God. The whole earth has been cursed from the beginning in Genesis 3. And so you will experience the shaking. You will see sick people around you. You will see hospitals that are flooding with people. And that is scary, yes. But know this, that it's during times like this that you really see what is working at work in you. That you rise up. It is okay to be anxious and it's okay to buy things and be prepared. I'm not saying, hey, you know, don't be prepared for things. That's okay. And I'm not saying, oh, you shouldn't be afraid. You know, let's all go around and have cough parties or something. But what I am saying is that God will allow these things to test the very core of our being so that all of these other things like our 401ks or our families or our health can be stripped away so that it's just between us and God. I love what Paul writes in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He talks about going under 
extreme duress and having some, uh, we don't know exactly what he was going through either, but he says, I don't want you to be unaware, brethren. No, I know there's no slide for this. Don't worry about it. I don't want you to be unaware, brethren, of the trials that we faced in Asia, that we were sick and we were, we were scared and all of these things. And he says that we were even uh, pushed to the point of death where we thought we have received the death sentence. But then I love what he says in verse 9. He says that we may, all of this has happened, that we may trust in God. Not in anything else. Not in my education, not in my future plans of graduation, not in any of that, but I am going to fully focus my attention on God and what he wants because I see now that he is the one that is directing history. He is the one that is directing this world the way that it needs to go. And I will trust in that. And I will not be shaken. Next verse. Next slide. That is why all this is happening. Move on. Next slide. Okay. God will shake away what is not of him. He's doing that in this world, and he's doing that in you and I as a church. And that's okay. We say we trust in God. and we say, Whatever you want, God. Well, now is the time, and it will be in the coming weeks when we th- see things in California kind of getting slowly crazier and crazier. Not to scare you, just preparing. Because I want us to think about this as we move on into this kind of chaotic hecticness of all this doom and gloom and storm and fire and words, that we can remain stable, that the thing inside of us, Jesus, will remain true. And all of these other things will be shaken away. Next, next slide. So again, yes, you will experience the shaking. We all will. But remember that there is something else that we have inside of us, and that's Mount Zion, the kingdom of God that we've come to. Next slide. I like to think of it this way as well. This is uh, obviously some tea. Yes, it is tea. <laughs> I've used this, uh, ex- I've used this uh, illustration before. I don't know what tea that is, okay? Just judging by what you see on the table there, uh, it's just some leaves, okay? And we don't really know until hot water is added. We don't know what really things are until hot water is added. And in the same way, God allows us to go through trials and be scared so that we could begin to see what we're really made of. What is God really building in our lives? It will begin to permeate around us. There have been many thoughts, many even sinful thoughts in my mind over the last week or two. And I haven't even been in contact with many people. So what does that tell you? That, oh my gosh, I'm still infected with sin. So I come and I bow before a holy God. And I say, I thank you that you have not crushed me, but that you actually want to speak to me. That you actually want to change the flavor of the tea in my life. That I can have peace. And though the world may crumble around me, I'm still at peace. And I'm unshaken because I'm inheriting an eternal and unshakable kingdom. And that's what he wants for you as well. Next, next slide. Okay, again, it's a call to endure in holiness through tough times. In holiness, not running around, panicking, not trying to do more. There are so many leaders that are freaking out right now. because like, I don't know what to do. I normally do 10 million things. Why don't you pray? Well, do you think that prayer is nothing to do? Well, you just kind of sit there and you talk words, but I'm, I'm all action. 
you think that God is not God? Do you think that he doesn't hear you? Does he think, do you think that he cannot work in many different ways or does it all have to be in you? Pray, be with God, spend the time with him and whatever anxieties lifted up to him. Don't be anxious about anything but in prayer and supplication, let the peace of God reign in your life. Okay. It's a call to endure in holiness. Set apart this time. As you are setting up yourselves apart in isolation and social distancing, why don't you set apart the time to be with God? Let him speak to you about what he's doing in your life. Let him ask you these tough things and bring about change. Next slide. Therefore, thank you, therefore, oh my gosh, that was like a whole chapter just to get to therefore. Whenever we see therefore, again, we have to ask what's it there for. You have to read all that journey that I just brought you through, right? And this is the instruction that the author gives. Therefore, okay, two mountains, two realities, you're part of the newer one, okay? Since we are receiving a kingdom, the newer one, Mount Zion, that cannot be shaken, this new fundamental, this new core that God has given you, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Let us be thankful as we come before God. That's a quality that the rest of the world would really just, just be just flabbergasted by at the moment. How can you be thankful at such a time like this? What do you think that would say to the rest of the world? You don't think that you could do outreach right now? You certainly can. You could be spreading about the peace of God. It's what Jesus came to bring, is his holy shalom into people's lives. And if the whole world is trembling and we as a church, as the kingdom of God, the city on the hill, Mount Zion is standing there praising and saying, wow, God is great. That really says something. Be thankful and worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Our God is a consuming fire, and that's a reference, next slide, to uh, Deuteronomy when he says that I'm a jealous God. In other words, I want your heart. All of these other things you've been putting stock in, all of these meetups, all of these boba drinks, and they're great things. I'm not saying those are bad things. We love fellowship. But I want you through all of that you and your heart more than anything else is what God says. So it's a time that we question. It is a time that we pause, that we stop, and we say, what is this really all about? Is it about coming before God and being made better? Is it entering into and, and receiving this kingdom that's unshakable of having this peace? Or is it about all of the activity that goes with it? God wants your heart above all else. And he's speaking now. So last slide. Okay. Though the world shakes, you are receiving an unshakable kingdom. Just know that, Christian. Last slide. Endure in holiness. As the author of Hebrews is, is basically pointing out, endure in holiness through these tough times. Notice what makes you angry when you're at home with your parents or when you're at home with your spouse. Come to God. Say, God, why is this? Just because coronavirus goes away whenever it goes away doesn't mean that that will go away with it. Endure in holiness during this time and inherit that unshakable kingdom of God. Let's pray.